0: The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Kornblau and Cornblow, the official law firm of the Kornblau and the Athletics. Subscribe right now at theathletic.com RTRS on the show today. Duh. The process playoff era begins. We announced the finalists of the lottery party wedding contest, and the Spike Lee of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast confronts Dave Silver in the crowd of the Sixers game head to head, and maybe the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I want to do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> um, a quick happy birthday to listener Greg Mello, who turns 20, turned 24 the other day from his girlfriend Ashley, and a happy birthday to my dog who I love, Rebel, is four years old. And uh, one other thing, the T-shirts. You have a week left to get the T-shirts to have them guaranteed to you to get to you for the uh, lottery party slash Eastern Conference Finals party. Um, you have until April twenty-third at eight p.m. Just go to rightsrickySanchez.com and order the T-shirts. And remember, proceeds from the T-shirts do benefit our charities, the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence and Justice Rescue. I want to see without yeah, any I further w- no a little more. I want to see
1: some people in two good two good shirts in the in the six, at the wells fargo center for the playoffs currently happening
0: yeah i i get um i like i sort of go back and forth about what my favorite lottery party shirt is like like you know i like day to day but the one that always ends up coming back as my favorite is the too good shirt it's very crisp it just says it all i yeah. think yeah uh, without any further ado, because we don't need any more ado, no. uh, this this is Run the Jewels.
1: We are the murderous pair, That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurting despair. Used to have power to push, now I smoke of to push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Woo. Get done. Welcome to the Right Mickey
0: Sanchez, Sanchez Podcast. My name is Spike Eskin, along with a guy who seemed like he fully ruined a bachelor party last night. Mm-hmm. That is Mike Levin. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Spike. This is going to be a rough one. <laughs> well, well, you should know that most of our Twitter audience is furious at us for not having this sooner. So as rough as this is for you, it seems even rougher for them. How are you feeling? Not not good, I guess. This morning,
1: all right, sustained yeah. sustained by a twenty seven point win. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was a fun bachelor party. I had to watch the last like quarter and a half from on my phone, from in the cab, and then at the restaurant, and then which means I was was the the move that MB. I didn't I didn't see. Uh, like I said the the Bellinelli shot. Where he caught it at the end of the shot clock and just sort of like threw one up uh, with uh-huh. like two minutes left in the game off the off like a weird pass from Simmons. Uh, and then Embiid and Covington and Justin Anderson like ran down the sideline like celebrating. Did you see that one? Yep. Um, I didn't see the reaction to that be- until after the game when I watched highlights again because I was doing the exact same thing in a restaurant. <laughs> I, was just, I like just ran down on the other side of the restaurant. People were uh, not pleased, but it was great. I mean, look, I we got the we got the win, baby.
0: Well, I, I'm I'm sort of going a little off our uh, our script here, but I'll say this: this is this is my my opening sort of feeling from yesterday. Um, sitting in the stadium uh, or in the arena, waiting for the game to start, and the I would say the hour and a half. I was at the game pretty early um, and was outside over by Xfinity and then outside the Wells Fargo Center and then in the parking lots. And I was with uh, Jack Fritz, who works for WIP and, and BGN Radio. And he was like, he was like, the crowd really looks like a, like the lottery party crowd, like everybody here. And it was like, it did it like everyone looked like our people. And then we got inside and there are trust the process chants before the game starts. And then our best player who is nicknamed the process goes and rings the bell before the playoff game of which we are the favorite and the home team as the three seed. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like we did it like here. Like it was really surreal. The all like all of this, I, this is less about the, the whole right thing. Like, and more about, I can't believe that we're actually here. It just seemed, the whole thing seemed really surreal to me and uh, and emotional. It's like, I can't, like, the guys fucking name the process, and people are chanting, trust the process, and they're fucking, they've won 17 in a row, like, by the end of the game, and I just, it's unbelievable. The whole thing is unbelievable.
1: Yeah. I mean, surreal is definitely the right way to frame it. It's like, because it was weird having the, third game of the day because you're watching the other games and i'm like okay soon soon the Sixers are going to play in a game like this and i'm going to root for them to win and they might <laughs> yeah yep it's just sort of hard to be like oh all right that's the rest of my day that's what
0: it's going to look like um uh, there there is no willy green five-star apple podcast of yes. the day review as i promised you but we are up to 1428 and oh. there are a
1: bunch of good ones up there so Get us to 2,000. Still counts as half just, just saying the name of the segment. <laughs> uh so I, you you were at the game. I want to hear uh-huh. more about the game. My parents were also at the game. LL yep. was at the game, Seamus was at the game. Ever it was a very Weber was there. It yep. was it was, I mean it felt the reason to think it felt that there were so many of our people there is because there were.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we um we were on our way. Like this is how many of our people were there. Is that the the walk from the parking lot over to Xfinity Live took like twenty five minutes, and then it, the final stop. It was great. We're walking and we see tailgating in the Wells Fargo lot right before Xfinity Live, and there's a gentleman there that is where like has the uh, what I spotted from afar was the Hinky Lottery Party shirt, mm-hmm. and then I go. Oh, that's fucking LL. (laughs) And and, uh, LL was there tailgating with his friends and uh, his lovely daughter, Missy, who is a huge TJ fan and was wearing her TJ Gritness t-shirt. And um, like I walked over to Xfinity Live and it was like, um, I don't know. There was a very, um, I mean, there was a very accomplished sort of, not n and, and again, not condescending accomplished, but a everyone sort of had the I can't believe this is here look on their faces. Yeah. And I'm not I don't think I'm projecting. I definitely saw that and I felt that. And it was a it was a really neat time. I mean, this has uh you know, this is the most controversial sort of rebuild in the history of team sports and to um and to be there at that moment. People were really electric and I think it was Obviously, the fact that it was seventy-five or eighty degrees and sunny all day, and people had, yeah. you know, like that vibe, of course, made it better too. I think leading up to
1: it. Um, first, we just first of all, you just named the subheading of the Sixers thirty for thirty. Trust the process. The most controversial rebuild in the history of sports. So that's good. That's yeah, that
0: that yeah. I mean, that's that's that, what it was. I yeah. mean, it was. Uh, I, wanna, I don't know. I want to ask.
1: I want to ask like. Yeah. Uh, did it feel a little bit like you were at a party that you threw without actually having to do anything? I, I yes,
0: I, that that's actually an interesting way to put it. I hadn't thought about that. Like, it was almost like the lottery party was there, but I didn't have to stress about any right. of it. I was just there. To You're have, like helping out, fun. like
1: stadium staff. Like anybody need? Is we good? Yeah. <laughs> Are the refs fun. gonna have enough like and,
0: towels? And the ultimate part of that was the—and I'll give full credit to the Sixers organization for this—the ultimate part of that was the who's ringing the bell stunt, yeah. which was amazingly pulled off. And really, the fact that they were able to pull it off is because they didn't have anybody—that person did not have to be, like,
1: Brought in or anything. Yeah, it was really—I you know, so, mean, I was not expecting it to be that. I wanted to, i the, mean, you started thinking, like, what if it's Sam? What just? What if it's Sam? Uh, yeah, like the
0: half of one percent chance that yes. maybe it could yeah. be. Yeah.
1: I I mean and, I think we, they I think they would do it more than Sam would.
0: Yeah, there's no way there's no way Sam would do it, and yeah. actually there's no way the Sixers would do it. Just I, I think there's probably a couple of people who who would be actually rightly insecure with with doing <laughs> that. So I, <laughs> it's I, I, true. I I don't think. I don't think anybody would do that, but the art. What what we sort of final. It was funny you mentioned that wh- while we're driving there, we're trying to guess who's it going to be, and what we really said. Okay, I was like, well, it's it's not Foles because Foles people were guessing Foles. I was like, but he doesn't live here, so I, I and I don't think he'd fly in for it. And then um, Jack was like, well, it could be Wentz, and I'm like, Wentz seems you know likely. And then we were going over the history of Sixers. And they were just pumping it up too much for it to be Iverson or Dr. J or yeah. any of those guys. They've yeah. done it too often. It
1: was a great idea. Um, it was a great idea. Yeah. yeah it was
0: fantastic. And he, he, he melted it. It
1: was beautiful. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. I'm with the Phantom of the Opera mask. And I'll say his um, uh, street clothes game is amazing. Like, I think, I love the way Mb dresses when he's not in the game. I think he does a great job. So, yeah, that whole thing was great.
1: Look, I mean, um, I'm exercising a lot of restraint by not talking about how Luauu dresses and doing a whole segment on that. So not, <laughs> not today, not for now. Let's talk about the game. Uh, yeah. Really sort of a skittish, uncomfortable first half.
0: Yeah. Um, ben, I'm not going to you know, I, I, I wrote it down. I started writing down notes on my phone in the game. It When I'm at the game, it's harder for me to remember what I think because I don't like live tweet. My notes are usually my Twitter from the game. Um, and I I didn't, like, live tweet the game or anything. So I was taking notes on my phone. And I wrote down that he seemed tight. And he didn't seem tight. He just seemed, like, f- a little frenetic and uh, probably a little too juiced up. And, like, those shots that he normally hits that are, feel pretty under control were not under control. Um, and I thought that was that sort of bled into the, the rest of the team, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and, you know, Miami was hitting shots. And, uh, and uh, the other thing that I noticed, and this sort of, it came to bear as the game went on, is the Heat have a ton of guys, and it doesn't really seem like there's a difference in terms of their level of play between their starters and their bench. Now, yeah. part of that, is because their top level guys are not that high, you know. Mm-hmm. Like their their top level talent is the worst in all of the NBA playoffs. There's like I don't even think that's a question, but um, mm-hmm. but they're pretty deep, and it it can be relentless when you know. It seems like Olenek is the best player on the team, <laughs> which is crazy. But when they bring Olenek off the bench and they bring Wade off the bench. Um, it does seem like they are a, and they get better, obviously when white side comes off out of the game, it seemed like, oh no, they have too many, too many guys and, uh, and we're not going to be able to withstand their bench. That's how it felt to me in the first half.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know that it felt like anything Miami was doing so much as it just didn't feel like they could get into a rhythm themselves. Like there yeah. there was never, maybe they were cutting off transition opportunities, and sort of they getting, getting uncomfortably like in the Sixers' space, so it never felt like mm-hmm. there were free guys running. I mean, the Sixers are at their best in transition when Simmons going down the middle and he's flanked by shooters, so he can either take it all the way or or kick it out. And it just never felt like those lanes were open.
0: No, they did a, a really good job of limiting transition, and that's you know that's where the that's where you start to. Uh, miss Embiid in the half court because they're, you know, the Sixers' ability to get their own shots and create offense easily in uh, in ISO or even in pick and roll in the half court is not nearly as good as they are in transition. And Ben looked like he was trying to figure out what the Miami Heat were doing to him, and he didn't look totally comfortable mm-hmm. in the half court. Oh, um, and and, the, and
1: defense. Go ahead. Here's the thing that like. Brett does not get enough credit for being a really good X's and O's coach. He gets credit for holding the locker room together, which is obviously mm-hmm. he should over the years. And But people keep saying, like, oh, we don't know anything about Brett as a coach because this is his first real time. But you've seen this season uh, how, how many wrinkles he's implemented in uh, different pay, play calls, out-of-bounds plays, like running so much action with the shooters. Because he has to. Yeah. And but he's mean, been
0: able to accomplish it, yeah.
1: But I mean, like, you know, I I've I've said this so many times, but like the Sixers the pre processed Sixers were not just like mediocre, they were also so boring to watch for so long. And so like Doug Collins' offense was trash. DeLeo's offense was trash. Mo Cheeks never ran a fun offense. there's like there's nothing exciting about anything. And and Brett runs a really fun motion uh offense with like legitimate play. Like there was never any I, I can't remember ever seeing a play ran by the Sixers prior to Brett coming in. And so well, last time when they limited and, transition and, opportunities like and without Adam like it, that's a that's a Brett win to get those shots.
0: Yeah. And uh one thing that Derek used to point out, Derek Bodner of the Athletic, one of our uh valued sponsors, <laughs> that Derek used to point out, even when they were bad, the shots that they were taking were always the right shots. It was just that they did not have players to make those shots. You know, they always had mm-hmm. a ton of shots at the rim and they took a ton of threes. It's just that they they weren't good enough. Like the players weren't good enough. But now seeing those things run with, um, you know, better young talent and then veteran talent who who can execute those sorts of things is, uh, is really a, a tribute to him. I, with, with every win— and I'm not going to do a Brett Brown coach of the year thing here but with with every win his Brett's value as coach of this team like like should be more and more obvious I think I mean, and yeah. a, and and last night I thought he and maybe I'm just I'm jumping around here but you know Spolstra probably makes the first move in forcing the Sixers into more half court offense but then Brett um Makes a correct adjustment in the second half and starts the second half out there with no traditional center. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though I thought Amir did a good job yesterday, Brett went small is the wrong word we were talking about yesterday because the lineup is enormous, but without a traditional center to try right. to have more shooters on the floor to generate offense easier. And it worked. they scored like 150 points
1: in the second half, like it yeah. was crazy. I mean, outscoring, and, outscoring uh, them seven, outscoring a Really good coach. Seventy-four to forty-three in the second half is an incredible adjustment. And then Breck got so much credit for that.
0: Yeah, and 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 uh, Spolster is a a really good coach. I mean, when you look at the players that the Heat have, the fact that they are that they win as many games as they do, I think is yeah. is pretty impressive. Um, but ultimately, you know, here here's the thing: is that just looking at the teams yesterday. There is no reason the Heat should win this series. Just really no reason. No. And and they might win a couple of games, but when your best players are are who their best players are, there's just no reason why they should be able to score enough. I know this sounds yeah. pretty simple. They just there's can't no score reason why they should be able to score totally. enough. Totally.
1: They can't. I mean, like they need O'Linick in there because he stretches the defense, and he's a pretty creative playmaker with limited athleticism but still like can, can make some things happen. But when Embiid comes back, if Embiid comes back, the series like he makes Olenek pretty unplayable on defense. And mm-hmm. even even though Olenek's a tough cover for him because he doesn't want to leave the paint to have to go cover him out th- to three. Like they might have to get some creative ways to to keep Embiid in there. But Embiid makes Olenek borderline unplayable because of how he'll just work him down low. So what, that's that's can I tell you be. what.
0: It, I'm sorry, we're jumping all over each other. It's my fault. I'm, I'm like so revved up. No, I'm revved up. I'm,
1: revved up. I'm revved
0: up. One of the things that I think might be, assuming Embiid comes back this series, one of the things that I think might be a fix to that is put Simmons on him. You know, like um, Simmons is strong enough to uh, to guard him in the post. It's not like uh, Kelly Lennox going to push Ben Simmons around. I'll take that. And he can chase him around on the perimeter, and mm-hmm. that might be one of those things where... Um, there's got to be, you know. If 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 they're gonna run stuff out there for him, I would put, uh, I would put Simmons on him and let Embiid just sort of do the free safety thing down low as well as he can, um, because there's the the Heat don't have enough shooters to have everybody on the court be a shooter. You know, I will live with. If they have to put beat on Justice Winslow, Justice Winslow shooting open threes, go ahead. I'll take mm-hmm. that over Olenek doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought uh, his stat line only looked, you know, average. Uh, but R- Robert Covington's defense has been—oh my god—over the. I mean, gr- great for two years now, um, and great this season. But over the last month to six weeks, and yesterday in particular, he was. He was, dude, he was an animal yesterday. Um, I just thought the way he guarded Dragic and the way he played passing lanes Mm -hmm. and the, like, even his, his, does it seem like his around the rim defense has gotten, like, really, really good over the last month, month and a half? He was incredible yesterday.
1: Him being able to be both um, the best on ball defender and while also being, like, the last line of defense rim protection like he's so so many t- Robert Covington saved so many baskets yesterday so many easy baskets cuz cuff came over and either made a play on the ball on the strip or you know even ke- coming back on defense and fouling uh Tyler Johnson I think it was on uh in transition just like saving saving points left and right and when when they stopped when they couldn't play Amir they stopped going to Amir as much um it, Covington being such a good rim protector and a solid rebounder, and Ilya Soba being a solid rebounder as well, it, like, just saved their asses because, you know, the Miami can't can't score with a ton of teams, but they can get to the rim. Like, like Wade can get to the rim. Dragic can get to the rim. Uh, Tyler Johnson, James Johnson. Like, those guys can get there. And, and Cove and Simmons being able to, like, deter shooters at the rim is a huge boon to have for for your like most versatile defensive players
0: yeah yeah he was he was incredible and they are you know that that versatility with those two can save you with how inversatile somebody like Dario can be defensively you know they uh Ben and, and Covington make up for a lot of uh, a lot of mistakes you know and that's how that's how you know even on great defensive teams not every guy in the lineup is a great defensive player but if you have enough of them mm-hmm. you can find a way to live with the guys who aren't and the uh the Sixers are able to do that because of of Covington and uh and Ben Simmons and then of, of course when Embiid is in there obviously down low
1: but I, I thought they were both great Who um, who is the most like surreal person to see in there like like that made you that made you feel like okay so you're watching the process sixers in the playoffs and this guy's playing well
0: so jack said to me it was covington he like covington had a block and Mm -hmm. he goes can you believe he's in here right now doing Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. and um you know undrafted free agent who and the thing i said to him was and the reason it's tj is for this from the moment covington is a way better player now he than when he got to the sixers but from the minute Covington got here, the Sixers were better on the court than when he was when he was on, than when he was off. Like from the minute he got here. and Because they didn't have any shooters when he got here. So, you know, at the beginning, you could tell that there was a difference when he was playing. T, uh, TJ, there was no doubt in my mind that Robert Covington was an NBA player as soon as I saw him on the Sixers. But TJ I never thought was in the beginning. And for him to go up there and Start guarding Dragic, who, by the way, looked like he didn't even want to be playing yesterday. Um, like 10 feet beyond the three-point line, TJ right up in his face and screaming about every foul call. For me, it was TJ. Here's TJ, uh, the first guard off the bench. Well, actually, Bellinelli was because Redick— Did they ever explain on TV why Redick left the game so early? Was it a stomach thing? Or? He said,
1: he, said he, he lost his vision for a second. Oh, yeah he was like yeah it was weird as hell but it came back so oh god um i don't know i didn't dream that, for, right? for
0: me it was tj who was it for you
1: um i think it was dario i expected it oh, to yeah. be covington or tj but seeing dario out there is fucking doing his thing pumping his fist he's such a weirdo man i love him so much it makes me so happy uh just seeing him exist in the universe is truly truly special i would also say markel i mean yeah. The fact that he's here and playing valuable minutes and was like what I think when he came in the second quarter, his run in the second quarter was like a plus 11. I think he just opens up a, even without the shot. I know mean, that in that first shot he missed by like six feet. Uh, yeah. it's still like he opens <laughs> Did up things. block that. No, I, 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 no. Oh, I wish. Okay. Look, we all know. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, uh, Mason Plumley might've gotten a piece of that. Um, Nice. yeah that's what i said i said
0: i said oh Linux. i was like there's something about the seven foot white guys that that uh can't that crack
1: are on defaults yeah. yeah um but yeah i mean markel like played well like there's a couple things that you wish he could have finished but yeah. he still opens things up in a, in a way that i i thing is still unclear, or maybe they just don't know how to guard him yet because he's so he's so new and they're scared of it. I don't know. It's I'm I'm, well, he, I'm so excited for Markel next year. I I love I love he, seeing flashes here and there.
0: He but. did have a pretty sweet spin move in the middle of yeah. the court yeah. um, yesterday that made the made the crowd go ooh and ah. There were two specific moments. There was a wide open three that he passed up on that just and ran into the lane, and then there was the one at the end of the quarter that I was just. It was just a fling. So I was hoping he wouldn't think about it and he would just do it. Yeah. Uh, and the, the free throws look wrong and worry me that another coach is going to pick on him when he gets in there to do that. And I hope that doesn't happen. But he did look pretty competent when he was in yeah. there. Yeah. I and mean, look,
1: uh, I mean, imagine saying this a month ago. Markel yeah. Fultz playing playoff minutes, and the Sixers will never lose again. <laughs> they've won 17 games in a row, they've lost yeah. in a month. Well, I mean what's going they, on? They,
0: they they won 17 games in a row. You know, the the 3 years of the process, they won 10, 18 and 19. Mhm. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. and they've won 17 just in a row this year. It's it's uh I don't know, man. It's pretty crazy. Uh and the uh, other the only other thing I had on the list from this game in particular. Uh and by the way, boy, Hassan Whiteside is a dog, man. Jesus. Um is the, offici- the, the official seemed like they called it tight both ways. There were 47 jump balls, but <laughs> it, it did seem like, and they call a jump ball before anybody even has possession sometimes. I'm like, will you just let it play out a little bit? But it seemed like they were trying to not let the game get uh, handsy and rough. Like yeah. they called it very tight from the very beginning. They called a lot of fouls last night. At least it seemed like, I don't know what the number said, but it seemed like.
1: Yeah. Um, there were a couple that the crowd was getting on him about that on TV. It was pretty clear that that was the right call. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, of course, yeah.
1: But and also I want to say that Corkmas uh, was one of the guys that just seeing him get in there and hit a three was it made yeah. me, it made me so happy.
0: Pop the cork. Popped it the cork in the maybe. playoffs. He, he, yep.
1: He's where's is, the big Where's Jared so Bayless? Why won't he play? Just let him play. Yeah. Let him play in the playoffs. Damn it.
0: Oh, oh, and then the other thing you mentioned, Ilya Sova. I don't I don't think the metrics agree with ilyasova being an effective defender, but his for a guy who does not leave his feet, he seems to be pretty effective at blocking shots. The charge taking is something that on on
1: our team i I adore for sure. I love for sure
0: uh, I, I'm a big Ilyasova guy. I like Ilyasova.
1: yeah i mean i i I do love i think. I think he's now he's played with Bellinelli for a little bit, so he knows that Bellinelli is the irrational shots guy. Yeah, and so he's yeah. sort of slowed himself down from from the early what we saw last year, and I so I appreciate that. And they, I mean, yeah. there's a fun team, man. They move the ball well. It's it is, it does feel like the first half to me felt, man, they miss Embiid, and not just in a, they miss the yeah. th- things that he, does. I, I mean, you sort of look at the court and you're like. Amir Johnson, Nelson Eliasova, Marco Bellinelli. These, these are all the guys that we're counting on? Like that kind of, it's a little, once right. in a while you're kind of like, who's this team? Like it, Without Embiid, it sort of starts to feel like just like regular, like odd veterany team. And even though Simmons is obviously the, the centerpiece. I, I, so when, when there's too many of the like journeyman guys in at one time, I get a little bit anxious. But, uh, man, they play well together.
0: Well, and it just shows how good Ben and Dario are that lets no one forget that the last team that Ilya Sova and Bellinelli were on together was the worst team in the NBA. And the fact that they are so effective here is an enormous testament to Ben Simmons. I you know, like I as as much as we've talked about how good he's been, I I still think we're probably underrating how good he is. I mean he's really good at making other people better yeah really 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 good which is such an important trait yeah
1: i mean it's it's ridiculous like i don't want to have the rookie of the year debate but it's ridiculous that he's this good as a rookie like he's this good i mean i was talking about with my friend yesterday simmons came out of college and it was like look at all the things he can do on the court look at his passing look at his athleticism look at his speed and transition at no point nobody was just talking about his defense. If anything, it was like, yeah, if he gives a shit, maybe he'll be an okay defender. But he'll probably he'll probably take plays off and stuff. And he, sh- he should be all on all defense. It is rookie year. It is absolutely insane that he's this good. It's, it's maniacally insane. And I'm going to say it, because I'm going to say it every time. Would it be nice if he had a jump shot? Yeah, it'd be great if he had a jump shot. Can you imagine just kicking it to Simmons? People having to cover him? People don't cover him until he's like ten feet from the basket and it helps. But imagine if you had a jump shot. It'd be great. Anyway, still great. Still love him. Still very impressive. He can switch on to anybody. And he 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 found himself in those in the first half especially, in those sort of like in those in between shots that he that he sort of got caught in in the you know second part of the season when he sort of cooled off. Yep. And so and like sort of like oh that rimmed out that didn't get there he's not getting exactly where they where he wants, and then the, th- the third quarter it just opened up like I feel like they were down it was tied, and then all of a sudden they were up twenty, and that's that's crazy that the Sixers are that team you know, the Sixers are the team that can all of a sudden just be like yo we just poured it on you. Um yeah it was it
0: was like almost like when the Warriors just sort of wait around not that the Sixers are the Warriors but how they sort of. You, they fool you into thinking it's close in the first half and then and then they just they take you apart the second half it was you know how the game went um and I think we'll you know there there will be tight moments in this series and sure. the Sixers may even lose a game but um
1: may even lose a uh, game
0: yeah, well, th- there's there's no. Let me tell you, barring major injury, there's no way they're losing the series to the Heat. I don't, I don't. There's no way. There's just no way. All
1: right, what if what if um, they? What they su- I mean, I know this is like a terrible, stupid thing to say, and we're gonna get blamed for it. But like, what if they just sweep him? They won by 27 yeah. without Embiid. What if they just sweep the series? What if they just go in and be like, "Yo, this seems not not as good as us. We're gonna beat him. Unbelievable. How about JJ Redick? I know. I love JJ Redick. He's he he signed a one year, seven hundred million dollar contract here, and. He's maybe he comes back next year, but like he endeared himself so much to he is like a whatever happens if they say that, say Reddick goes and gets his last big contract somewhere else, and the Sixers get like some big time wing free agent. Uh, yeah, that's not LeBron. Like somewhere in there, like JJ is integral to the future of this team. Even if he's not on it, just by the way, I I think he, him being here, him and Amir being here was just a great. I mean. Obviously, we, we, were, we had some issues with the, with the signings, but like Calangelo picked two guys that like really solidified what Brett was trying to do, and so they both get credit for that. And how this team's I'm like upset about how fun this team is to watch. Like why did I ever watch basketball for a, for a such a less fun sixers team? Honestly. like what was I well, doing? We, we deserve I, this we, we, do, we do deserve this. Like dribble handoffs, Spencer Hawes. Spencer Hawes dribble handoff to rookie Shelvin Mack. That's what we had to deal with. Now look at us.
0: Let's take a break to talk about no the rights to Ricky Sanchez sponsor that I saw in the parking lot yesterday. Um, here is a man who has owned his own business, a jewelry store, for thirty years, married with children, and is tailgating the first Sixers playoff. Game in a lottery party T-shirt behind a pickup truck. That is LL Pavorsky. Um, we are up to seventy-eight rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners who have purchased engagement rings from LL Pavorsky Jewelers, which is completely unbelievable. I meant to ask you. He tweeted yesterday that the the seventy-seventh was a ten-year anniversary present. Hmm. Um, I think that's cheating. I don't think that oh, one should yeah. count. Though I'm I'm happy they bought it from Lee.
1: Isn't an engagement ring before you get married? Yeah. Well, the whole thing is cheating. None of these people are real. It's all all (laughs) charade. But yeah, even even by his own standards, this is cheating. (laughs) He is a wonderful guy.
0: When you're buying something as uh, expensive as an engagement ring, that means as much as an engagement ring. And look, let's face it. If you're just looking at a ring... You don't know if it's good or not good. Like You know if it's pleasing to the eye, but you don't know if it's valuable or not valuable. That's why you need to be able to trust the guy who's selling it to you. LL is the most trustworthy, uh, lovely man on earth. We are so proud that he sponsor that he sponsors the podcast and so completely shocked that 78 people have bought engagement rings from LL that listen to the podcast. If you buy an engagement ring now, he's got this awesome engagement ring case that's really, really slim that will fit in your pocket. That way, on the big night or the big afternoon, you're not gonna have to work to hide some big giant jewelry box. So make sure you mention that to him. If you want to buy an engagement ring from LL Pavorsky Jewelers, the only place you should buy one from if you listen to this podcast. Make an appointment before you go over there so he can have everything laid out. He can find out about your budget, what she wants, what she doesn't want. Uh, call him, 215-627-2252. Uh, email him at llpavorsky.com, or you can just tweet him at LL Pavorsky. Uh The store is at 707 Walnut. For every show, Lee makes generous donations to the Justice Rescue and the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers.
1: A 53-year-old Rashawn Holmes fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you see you heard that, sure. that part of the article? Yes. I'm, I'm trying to pivot for yeah. a second. We, you know, we will
0: get to that in a minute. So we will talk about the article in a minute. I want to give proper credit and make sure we announce, we're going to announce the finalists for the Rights to Ricky Sanchez wedding contest right now. Right As now? As you know. Yeah, let's do it now. Okay, cool. All right. As you know, we accepted entries uh, for someone to get married at the, 2018 lottery party by Pablo Tori. real marriage of course we'll get to the winners uh, we'll get to the prizes in a second but um, we had way too many people uh, there were people willing to get married there was one couple that was willing to get divorced and then remarried if they won <laughs> um, people from all over the country and we'll get to that in a moment too and uh, it was <laughs> I wrote an email to all of the people who didn't who weren't finalists yesterday and it was so apologetic because um I think all of the entries were like great. Like I I think the like the difference between the people who we ended up picking and who were right behind them and the people who were right behind them was very, very slim the entire time. Yeah. So um we were really splitting hairs, but we promised four finalists. So you can vote for the four finalists at com slash wedding vote. The uh The voting system is like the uh, NBA MVP voting in which you will rank them from your favorite to your least favorite, one to four. Yes. And the reason I did that, I thought about it. I'm like, well, if we could barely discern between the best and the next best, then if you have it really close, the second place person should get some points. So go to rightstrickysanchez.com slash wedding vote. The finalists are couple number one, Rashid and Alicia from Philadelphia, couple number two, Lauren and Zeke, who are in Brooklyn, couple number three, Dan and Nancy, who are in Deptford, New Jersey, and couple number four, Landon and Brittany, Sixers fans from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Now, I don't want to give any more details about anybody else because I think that would be unfair, but if you go to rightstreakysanchez.com slash wedding vote, you can see their 75-word or less applications. That is on the page. Voting will end at, uh, on April 26th at midnight. The winners get um, an engagement ring and wedding bands from L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, a prenup, an official process prenup from Kornblau and Kornblau, a story about them written by Godner, Derek Bodner, in The Athletic. You will be married by Pablo Torre of ESPN. You will have your vows uh, co-written by Academy Award-nominated screenwriter Mike Weber. And you will get a romantic getaway for two to the Ryu Palace, Riviera Maya, in Riviera Maya, Mexico from Apple Vacations, a three-night all-inclusive trip that uh, gets your round trip airfare ground transfers to and from the airport all meals and drinks the Rio palace riviera maya is located on a dazzling stretch of white sandy beach framed by tropical trees and crystal clear turquoise waters ton of amazing restaurants uh, brazilian japanese mexican a steakhouse 24-hour sports bar so you can uh watch the sixers a swim up bar daily entertainment snorkeling windsurfing for more information about Rio palace riviera maya and apple vacations go to applevacations.com So there we go. It's really going to happen, Mike. Somebody's really going to get married there. I love it.
1: Good for them. I can't wait to...
0: Really good for them. Can't wait to see it. Uh, Okay, so here's what I have left. I have the James Herbert story on CBS Sports. Um, I think the next thing we have to do is Weber. Uh, And I wanted to talk a bit about the band Kevin O'Connor.
1: Okay. I want to get back to the game at some point, but okay well, do, do it now do it now I didn't know you had more stuff oh we got more stuff 6-1 fucking playoff game talk about it forever <laughs> I gotta rewatch it I really do need to rewatch it because I intended on like taking notes and watching it in a in a very calm <laughs> manner and I wasn't maybe it was because I was drunk but it was great I was watching it I was worried that the people at the bachelor party some of whom I had never met before you know I was worried that they would they would be shitty, and so like earlier in the the first maybe like late first quarter, I think they were like, Who "The fuck is this guy? Why is he so fired up?" <laughs> uh, and I think that I was like sort of sitting. I ended up like sitting by myself for a little bit, and I was like, "Okay, this place has turned on me. This is fine." And then second quarter into the third, they got back in. All of a sudden, tons of new Sixers fans. So that worked out. And they were good. It was I was a well-behaved, I was worried that it was suck, and it was a well-behaved group of people that were cool about the Sixers and I respected it.
0: Well, bachelor parties are always funny dynamics because um, unless it is really just a core group of like three or four guys who have right. grown up together or something, it's always from different friend groups um, forced into having a good time one night and there's always one guy of course that nobody knows that is just like this guy's friend from his other job or something. So it was a pretty, this uh, this
1: is a pretty like tight, a tight knit. It was like two or or three separate factions, but like bigger, biggish ones. But, uh, yeah, there was also a, uh, we were, we were watching it at his, his apartment and there was a mini basketball net. So like I had to throw down a couple very, uh, stress relieving sick dunks. So I had to do that. Um, but the, okay. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was ready to talk about the actual game again. Oh, I know you. You said I want to talk about the game. Here's then, the. Match that's the right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I get, I'm setting the scene. I'm setting the scene. Um. Oh, yeah. I didn't. It it did it did bum me out that Rashawn didn't get more didn't get more of a more rope. But I think that's sort of how it works in the pl- in the playoffs. I think it's just yeah. going to be that way. He said yeah, one he good looked- screen that opened up a JJ shot.
0: But on defense he looked clueless. Yeah. Like he did look clueless last night. Yeah. And he is he is gonna have the and you know, I think it ends up working out because I think that short rope made Brett say, Hey, this is what we have to do in the second half. Yeah. You know, this is what we we have to let's do the, the four shooters bit, like let's do the no center bit and uh it ended up working out and ended up winning the game.
1: Do you so. think I mean do you think like to some extent they played really well and got good shots in the third quarter? that just and, and just blitz and, and and tighten up their defense. But there is a world where we're overreacting to this and they just shot sixty four percent from three and it's gonna that'll normalize over the course of the series.
0: Well it's both. Yeah. Right? I mean I they, they're never gonna always shoot like that. But remember, let's remember that the guys that were shooting that way are their shooters. So I I don't think we're looking at a game in which Justin Anderson went crazy for three. TJ hit three or four. And you're like, well, where's that going to come next time? The fact that JJ Redick, Ersan Ilyasova, um, Marco Bellinelli, and Dario Saric hit three-point shots is not like, I don't know. That's not crazy. It'll normalize, and there will be games when those guys aren't hot and maybe they're cold yeah. and maybe they lose that game. But I, and And, you know, first games of series in any sport – can force you to overreact but i guess i just from what i saw out there i assume it's possible that the heat could have a a really great run of defense and able to you know get the sixers into a 95 point game and win that game but i don't see a way that they can win four games out of seven against the sixers
1: i was on uh, i just don't see it yeah i was on matt moore's podcast and we talked about like um before the series started and I thought we talked about like pace and like how it's going to, how that'll impact. Cause the Sixers obviously like to play fast, especially with that Embiid, but Miami's one of the like bottom five teams in terms of pace. And so I think that that, that really is what screwed them up is that Miami sort of bent them to their will in the first half of saying like, well, you're not going to get transition opportunities and we're going to make you take like these in between shots and we're going to make JJ Reddick go blind for a minute or two. But once, once the second, once, once the second half came in, they were just moving and, and it felt like the ball had some juice to it, and then all of a sudden it was like we're up by twenty five.
0: Well, and there when when they're rolling like that, their their passing begets more good passing. Um, a little Hawksian, you know,
1: honestly. Yeah, except, got got two uh, got two except, Hawks now.
0: Except the 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 coach isn't a joyless hump, and we actually have <laughs> uh, good players at the top of our roster. Thirty four assists
1: uh, on forty five shots, uh, or forty five buckets. Ten Mates, turnovers. Yeah. Ten turnovers. That was, I mean. Well one honestly, in the second half. By the was way. Really, I think I they
0: only had one turnover in the second half. That's
1: wild. The I didn't yeah. see um didn't see that, but it's amazing how, you know, there's been there's been turnover issues here and there. Like you can see when they get like there's like a three minute stretch where they just turn it over four times and you're like, Oh, this they just have but that happens everywhere. But the Sixers turnovers were such a big deal for this team in the first two three months of the season and it was like well this is what happened you got a rookie point guard you got Embiid who likes to try to do too much blah 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 but like it's really been and maybe it's because they've just won 17 games in a row but it's really been a non-issue for the past couple months is that like they turn well, the ball over at a, at a pretty reasonable clip it's gone down every month
0: let, let's be honest mike uh it was brett brown turning it over in the first two months of the season <laughs> That's and the players had a player only meeting they said let's stop turning it over like coach brown tells us to and they they fixed it. It's really a tribute to the players, and thank goodness they've been able to tune out Brown
1: and and do their own thing. I love uh, I love that that Foltz Foltz had a TJ play where he stole the inbounds. Yes, it, that was beautiful.
0: It was fantastic. It really was. I like Foltz on the floor too, fighting for loose balls. Um, man, we are we are really living the dream right now.
1: It's crazy. <laughs> it's I mean like that, and that is why I said in our in our in our Pre-playoff podcast, but I really am, you know. Now that they have won Game One by twenty-seven points without their best player, uh, maybe I have more expectations. But I really am trying to, no matter what happens in these playoffs, take this season to be like the most encouraging thing of all time. Like if yes. they lo- if they end up no losing, no series, happens. I think like, I would I would probably would have been very bummed out if they lost in four or five. That would have that would have sucked. That would have been a really bad taste. But the fact that they even if they lose this series in 7 it's still like that was unbelievable yep we're like here for a while i think i think there's going to be blowback because of course there will be but now that the expectations are higher but man it's 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 crazy that it happened this fast it's a, it's a testament to like every single person involved and i i'm just enjoying it a lot i I don't it seems like No, it seems I'm enjoying it a lot. I feel like I'm a different person. My life has changed in the time that uh Seamus Clancy wrote an article that was really good, uh before this he he is a I think we we write in similar ways a lot and talk about our feelings, except he's got a little bit more like dirty Philadelphia into him, which I which I respect and, and wish I could emulate. Um uh, but he wrote an article about like what it's like to be a fan of a team that you now have to realize is good. And, uh, and also this being like the first Sixers game of the rest of his life. And it really does feel that way that like, yep. We, I mean like just being, it's almost like we got like inducted to office. Like as a, we just like got voted in this season and it's like, Hey, we know we're going to be here for, say we're like a Senator six years. We know that we're going to be here for six years. Unless there's like a scandal. That kicks us out, but barring a non-scandal, we're gonna be here for a while, and it's weird to be like, to see this as like a, um, uh, as an era that we are walking into. What,
0: one of your m- more curious metaphors, I think, but uh, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man.
1: I'm so <laughs> I'll unaware. roll with it.
0: All right, we gotta we gotta move on because I want to get to these last two things. Okay, talk about Weber. Uh, all right, so Mike Weber, as you may or may not know, you, we have a lot of, I think, new listeners to the podcast. So Mike Weber is a screenwriter. He, uh famous for The Disaster Artist, a, an Oscar. He was nominated for an Oscar, uh, 500 Days of Summer, um, The Spectacular the Pink Panther, Now. Pink Panther 2. Pink Panther 2. But Mike is also our most dedicated listener, um, and as we refer to him as the Spike Lee of the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, Mike also, if you've ever been at a game with Mike is the most confrontational process person in history. I went to last year's home opener with him and we were sitting, he got the tickets we were sitting right behind the, like the bench, right where the owners were important, and important, sh- uh,
1: precursor or uh important note. Yeah. He got the tickets.
0: Yes, well, I didn't. I'm not. I don't like. He's got pull. I don't have that kind of pull. Um, also, I like sitting in the mez. But whatever. He, Man he of the tormented. People. He tormented the Sixers owners for the entire time. So much so that I think at one point I asked him to settle down. <laughs> um, so, and then he, another time, and we weren't there. I think this was in Brooklyn. He followed Brian Colangelo through the stands to insist that he give Brett Brown a contract extension. <laughs> um, and Brian Colangelo was uncomfortable with the entire thing. So then yesterday, Weber is at the game. And uh, and by the way, he is a a really nice guy. Uh, like, very... Like, he writes these emo fucking movies. <laughs> he's, um, not, he's
1: not just like heckle guy. It's not like his personality. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's a, a very good, normal person. But when you get him in that... You almost have to... Keep him, like, leashed up or he's going to do something crazy. So yesterday, Dave Silver is there. And I didn't see the interview on TV, but everyone started tweeting at me that it was happening. Commission, um,
1: Commissioner Dave Silver.
0: Commissioner Dave Silver, yeah, in case anybody's new. You're going to have to figure out why we're doing that. <laughs> Listen back to other stuff if you want to understand why we're calling him that. But uh, So Weber— and Silver is sitting in the stands. Weber decides that he's going to go up to Silver and give him a piece of his mind about the process and forcing Hinky out. So Weber want, wanted to be really clear to me that he did not yell at Adam. He thought it was important that he remain calm and just talk. But he's wearing a T-shirt that said, Hinky died for our sins. And he goes up to Silver. And there's a sort picture of him. Sort of betrays
1: his allegiance a little bit
0: yeah um he goes up to silver and the, the picture of it is like look on the ricky twitter or my twitter and he tells silver wait i want to do you have his quote right in front of him wait he put his quote on on twitter uh mike's twitter is uh this is weber um i love that mike has two real um like realities now NBA commish seated near me. I made him read my hinky died for our sin shirt. He was not amused. I told him, we will never forget your role in all of this. He is our guy, always and forever. And then Silver didn't come back to his seats for the second half. And Weber was, uh, I guess, ushered away or, or uh, asked to, to keep moving by building security. So, Mike... I say to you, I feel like we need to name a segment after Weber, and he, are you there?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. And here is my proposition. I propose that we name the band list the uh, the Mike Weber commemorative or memorial band list, and anyone on the band list is on the Mike Weber band list.
1: I'm with I'm that. <clears throat> That's good. Okay.
0: Okay. Well, there we go. Uh, yeah. Any other thoughts on Weber? I mean, I mean it was out, incredible. Out, out
1: of his mind. Out of his yeah. mind. The picture of him just like approaching is haunting. It's like, it's almost like there's, it's like a pre-assassination picture. <laughs> he would never do that. I want to be really clear. Never in a million years. But yes, it was because
0: he had that smirk on his face that only a maniac would have, like knowing what he's about to do. Because it wasn't a smirk of this is funny. It was a smirk of... I'm like, this is real to me, and I'm not nervous at all. Somebody uh, tweeted at me, a Thunder fan, like, why are Sixers so insecure? And I was like, you got to understand, what Weber did was the opposite of insecurity. Like, he he was so sure of himself, he approached the commissioner of the NBA to tell him to go fuck himself at a Sixers playoff
1: game. <laughs> really good. Unbelievable. Really okay. good. Uh, before we get to the
0: nice article that James Herbert wrote, let's talk about our other sponsor uh, for the pod, Kornblau and Kornblau and Adam Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Adam, a longtime Sixers fan, a season ticket holder, a process devotee, um, a TJ McConnell fan, and, and a tender of Rights to Ricky Sanchez live podcast and just happens to head up along with his mother uh, because his father and his mother started this law firm back in the 80s the premier boutique personal injury law firm in the Delaware Valley. Um, They specialize in medical malpractice but but it is not just medical malpractice. Slip and fall uh, injured at work, um, what else? Slip and fall injured at work, car accidents, um, uh, any of those things the place that you want to go to is Cornblow and Cornblow. A couple reasons for that. first of all, a lot of places that you hear about when you hear about personal injury law firms you call up and they're really just referral services. So you call this law firm and they just send you to somebody else. But as we like to say when you call Cornblow and Cornblow or email Cornblow and Cornblow, you are getting up Cornblow. You're getting personal attention from Adam. And that's the value of having a, a big enough firm to make sure you get what you deserve, but a small enough firm to make sure that you get personal attention. The sort of personal attention means even though they have offices all over the Delaware Valley, he will come to your house. There's no need for you to go to the office. And uh, me, having gone through a personal injury lawsuit years ago, realized that this takes can oftentimes take years is really complicated, a lot of difficult decisions to make, but thankfully you have a guy who understands having the longest view in the room, who uh, who understands how hard this is for you, and is going to walk you through every step, and that is Adam. Um, hopefully you are never injured in, in any sort of those scenarios, but if you are, you have rights, and you are owed things, and Adam is going to make sure that you get them. And by the way, even if you just have a question about uh, an accident or your car insurance or anything, even the Sixers, you can reach out to Adam. Uh, give him a call. Shoot him an email. Cost you nothing. 215-576-7200. Ask for Adam. Email him at Cornblau at Kornblau and Kornblau.com. Kornblau is spelled with a K. The and is spelled out A-N-D. And the rest is up to you. Cornblow uh, and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. James Herbert is a writer for cbssports.com he on twitter is at outside the nba he is a lovely gentleman and uh, a couple of months ago he approached us about writing a an article about like he just told me about the podcast like he just wanted to write an article about the podcast um so we each talked to him he then went and talked to listeners of ours he talked to ll He chased down Joel Embiid to ask him about the podcast. He talked to J.J. Redick about the podcast. He talked to T.J. McConnell about the podcast and wrote like sort of the definitive rights to Ricky Sanchez history piece that I am uh, honored that it even exists. I told him it was so long, and I mean this in a good way, that when I would scroll down and read it, Every time I would hit like a picture in the middle of the feed, I'd be like, oh, that's a weird way to end it. And then scroll down and be like, wait a minute, there's more? He's going to keep writing more? Um, It was really good, I thought. I was really proud of it. I was really happy he wrote it.
1: Yeah, except for some some choice Andrew Sharp moments. (laughs) Some very apt quotes from the original band member of the list.
0: Yeah, he did talk to Sharp too. Was Was there anything that you uh, that you took away from? Was there like a new thing that you took away from it after having read it or no?
1: I don't know. I usually hate how I sound when I'm written down. Uh, I think I think when I can convey it in tone on a podcast, I I can make some of the weird shit I say sound more normal. And when I write it, I can curate sort of like what okay, not this, not this, not this. But when other people write it and be put it quoted in 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 ink i feel like oh my god i'm a fucking lunatic what does this mean i'm not even making any sort of sense and so usually i hate these kinds of things because there's been a couple written about us over over the years whatever uh but this is this was this was the best one it was good i love james he's such a sweet guy
0: yeah yeah i thought so too he he took the uh he really took a lot of care in writing it i thought and i think having more voices than ours, because obviously if you hear enough and God bless him, because I was, I talked to him when I was down at spring training and I'm on the phone outside of a bar. And I think I talked to him for like, I don't know, over an hour. And then I decided I wasn't done. So I walked two and a half miles from the bar back to my hotel. And I think he asked me like two questions in the entire thing, but, uh, was able to sort through, I think all of what we said, and I think the, the tone of people like LL and, um, LL described as a
1: 53 year old Rashawn Holmes fan. so so good.
0: (laughs) It really is. Wait, can I read the quote that didn't make the article about, uh, LL that I sent you? Sure. From LL. Uh, wait, hold on. Let me find it. Um, James said it to me because we were, we were talking about it and, uh, he goes, wait, here's, where's the quote? Um, he goes, I was really mad I couldn't find a place for this Lee Pavorsky quote. Everybody accuses Mike, Mike of liberal politics and uh, or this and that. Well, guess what? It is what it is. That's the way he thinks, and you know it. That's the way Spike thinks, and you know it. And everybody knows that I think Rashawn Holmes is an awesome center. <laughs> <laughs> so same same at, thing. It's just about he values. He those things. Just the greatest. Yeah. Um, so read it. Uh if you go to this post, the post for this podcast on writesrichy Sanchez dot com, you will you will see it. And, and he we'll, says we'll have name. we'll
1: have Kristen put it in the newsletter. Also, we'll put because oh, oh, yes. a, a number of things have been written over the past couple of days. People kept coming out of the woodwork, getting their writing hands on. I wrote a little something. Didn't you write something too?
0: Yeah, I wrote a thing about Brett Brown. I I uh, I thought about it while running in the morning, and I texted Andrew Porter from IP, and I was like, "Hey, when I get in, remind me to write this Brett Brown thing." And then I sat down to write it, and I was like, "Oh, that's right. This is why I don't write." Yeah. Uh, because you can have a really great idea, but to make that one sentence great idea a good 800 word post is not really that easy.
1: Yeah. When I was blogging every day, it's like you're just mo- you're moving, you're doing your thing, you're kind of going, and yeah. then. When you don't for a while, it's just a different muscle. And so I wrote, yep. I wrote something for Dime Mag, which is now UpRocks Dime. Yep. Some some combination of those things, um, and sort of tried to just distill it down to some context of how we got here for like the people that don't remember or or don't want to acknowledge, and then sort of go of like how it feels and and going forward. And I uh, have some weird ass lines in there in the in the yes very mic lines yeah i mean like there's a in the james herbert article i said something about pudding and this one i say something about bees john gonzalez is calling me out for it on twitter i don't know i'm just i'm just finding what works
0: and uh the other thing that happened and it, it's not so much an article as it is a sound clip is uh joe and john on ip had dario on and we talked about the interview before they had him on and uh we told them we're like hey this interview does not count if you do not ask him if he's going to come over. Um, so the last question of the interview, they're like Dario, with all that's going on, do you think it's time that you you come over? And he <laughs> laughed and gave it a 50-50 chance of whether he'll come over or not, which is
1: unbelievable. I love he it. He is, and he that's is what, king. and that's what like separates him because like Embiid is so keyed into like what's going on online and like the culture around the team that like he sort of took it. And now, like, the idea of Dario never coming over is, is like, a, a joke within the team as well, which is just crazy.
0: Yeah. Final thing, and then I have to go. Uh, Kevin O'Connor, who was banned from the to Ricky Sanchez podcast, he was banned uh, by you. It seemed like um, it was a, a ban that just happened, like, uh, emotionally as he put Al Horford on his first ballot all-star above Joel Embiid. Um, was pleading his case yesterday. During the game. On Twitter. During the, <laughs> during the game. Um, we have said that the only way that Kevin will be unbanned is if he either delivers Bill to the podcast, delivers us to Bill for his podcast, or gets Bill to say the name. Now, I will remind you, if we end up playing the Celtics in the second round, oh if the Sixers are lucky enough to get that far, there is the opportunity for Kevin to make that happen sure. and become
1: unbanned. Um, I went. I mean, I went in. I, it's, we're we're knocking on the door, because I, I, we could if we wanted to reach out, we could reach out. But we want it to happen organically. Like I was in, I was on the Heat Check Pod, John Gonzalez's podcast, and so I was yep. in the Ringer offices. It was me and Mike Bauman who was calling in remotely, and so we took it was a Philly takeover for sure. And so like, you know, we can do it. It's we're, well, there's
0: no way he he has to be aware. He just has to be aware now. Um, but I want it yeah, I, it's got to have an. I'm not gonna beg. I'm not gonna, no, but even gonna though this is
1: some in some version begging. We're not going to, it's a deal. It's a hostage situation. Can I tell you
0: the biggest dickhead thing I said on Twitter yesterday? Because I was going back and forth with Kevin as he was pleading his case. And uh, he said, This is the last time I'm going to speak about it. Uh, Only the basketball gods can judge me. And I said, It looks like they already have,
1: Kevin. (laughs) He's He's such a sweet guy.
0: He is. He's a nice person, good writer. But uh, unf- look, Kevin, my dad's banned. Doris Burke is banned. Like, you know, Sharp as it happens. U- big time uh, banned. Yep. All right. Um, I got to go. We are going to do another pod after game two. And um, we're basically going to be podcasting after every game. You can expect that. And I'm very excited to announce we will announce our uh, a new sponsor to the Ricky. Oh, on, yeah. of uh, that pod, which is... Super on brand and very excited
1: about yeah, it. Yeah, you, so. you took a picture of it. I saw it the other day. Yes. Uh, just quick, um, quick game two predictions. Do you think Embiid plays?
0: Uh, I don't, actually. I thought he was going to, but now the fact that they don't play game three until Thursday. Um, I don't, I, this is a real dumb thing to say, but I think it's so close to Saturday that if he couldn't play Saturday... It almost seems crazy that he'd be cleared to play on Monday, even though he eventually has to get cleared to play. So it doesn't make any sense. But I think Thursday is way more likely. What did do you they, think?
1: Did they say why he's not? Like why no. he's not cleared? It's just like not cleared. Nope. Just said he's out. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It. Uh, I could see them just holding him off and be like, well, let's let's have him for the road. Like, how cool would it be? He doesn't play game two. He plays game. 3 and 4 which we split or maybe he just plays one of them and then he comes home for game 5 to clinch. That would be great for in front of a home crowd and be and be back. Be really yeah. really
0: cool. Would love it. Would love it.
1: Uh, just All right. handle, handle business.
0: Yes. Let's get we're better the Sixers are better than the Heat. Let's win this series. We're
1: in it now. I mean like we're in just in the midst of a playoff series. Our our process Sixers. Our little boys. Our supple little fresh leg boys.
0: Uh, you, if I let it go on too long that's what happens that's right uh, all okay. right uh, we'll talk We'll talk to you next
1: time you down with TTP? yeah you know like that we are the murderers pair that with the jail and we murdered the murderers there then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurting despair used to have powder to push now I smoke powder to push holy I'm burning the bush now I give a fuck about none of this shit Two run over and out of this bitch <laughs> to the spot like uh, uh, copying with ups and downers get done I'm in a rush to be numb. dropping a thousand a much coping the clouds on
0: a missile turn